Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse, episode 311. I am Peter, and joining me as always is Matt. Hey, what's up? Feeling a little all mixed up uh, for episode 311. Yeah, that ice pack on his neck right before we started, just so everyone everyone knows. Yeah, I, I uh, went and played flag football this morning and uh, fully, fully abushied my neck. Wrestling fans will understand that, but just, just know that my neck broke my fall. So <laughs> we're good. Uh, but yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, Carter is not here this week, but I can confirm he has returned to the country and he is. He let him back in. He, <laughs> he is not a new patient zero. Uh, but yeah, uh, well, he was sick when he got back, though. He was I like. I know. His voice was just gone. It was, it was uh, awful. But uh, yes, so he'll. Hopefully be by next week. I don't actually know uh, what he schedule is yet, but uh, yes. Yeah. But he, he has he has returned. He has returned. Uh, but yes. Uh, so that's the DC Comics podcast. We get together. We talk about the, the comics of the week that we read. Coming up on this week's show, we've got Nightwing 93, The Flash 783, Dark Crisis Young Justice Issue 1, Batman Superman World's Finest 4, Batman The Night Issue 6, Black Adam Issue 1, and the new story, at least, and Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen's boss, Perry White, issue one. Yeah, so. it came down to timing on this one. Um, and I looked at it, and it was only one new story. Uh, a lot of reprints. So I'll go back and, and read those other ones. But yeah, I was going to talk about the main story. Yeah, so that is what's coming up on the show. So, yeah, I've nothing really flashy to start with this week. There's no... Well, so there's no big news, there's no excitement of any particular kind. Uh, I I can talk about something that's not DC related, but if you want to do your uh, numbers gimmick first, we can do that. Oh, well, since you asked, Matt, there's always time for a comicsology top 10. I just thought... I just did the thing where the teacher is like, all right, have a good weekend. And it's like, well, what about homework? Oh, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> uh, all right, hook, line, and sinker. Yeah, it's looking at the top 10 books sold out Comixology as of the time of recording on this this here Saturday evening or afternoon, depending on your time zone. Uh, so, I mean, you could carry a guess for number one, Matt, if you would like. Is it, is it a big two? It is. Nightwing. Nope. Damn it. I, I, I don't have them in front of me to see what else came out this week. Um, uh, and your computer's too slow to get there quickly, so... Yep, yep, yep. I'm, I'm loading. Uh, uh, I'm going to add... They just loaded. I'm going to guess X-Men 12. It is incorrect. What? <laughs> Life is a betrayal. Number one is actually Immortal X-Men issue three. Son of a biscuit. <laughs> Number what two. Are, who, what oh. even is that book? I thought it was Kieran Gillen. Uh, okay, there you go. Connor's number Gillen? one squeeze. Yeah. But yeah, number two is X-Men issue 12. Uh, then we finally get some DC. Number three is Batman Superman World's Finest. And number oh. f- yeah, and number four is Nightwing. Mm-hmm. Uh, number five is Dark Crisis Young Justice. So... Uh, and then it makes it four in a row because number six is Black Adam issue one. So uh, DC Good. doing not too bad. The top ten this week. Yeah, uh, Murderers Row. 
then number seven is Amazing Spider-Man issue four. Which is that? Is that a disappointment for Marvel that issue four of Amazing Spider-Man is doing less than a Black Adam issue one? I mean, uh, let's see who the creative team is. It's Zeb uh, Wells, so it also has the legacy number of eight ninety eight. So you know it's just getting renumbered when it hits nine hundred. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. That's it. I've not, I've not heard it's been renumbered, but I mean I'm not paying that much attention. Yeah, so. I, I don't know if it's legacy eight ninety eight. You do two. That would be Amazing Spider Man six slash nine hundred. You know, I don't know. Well, I mean, they've been sticking to this legacy numbering box on the cover. I feel like they'll just keep that going. No, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure yeah. they'll make a big deal about it being 900, but yeah. I feel like it'll just still be issue 7 this, after that. This book was weekly for a while, right? It was before they relaunched, yeah. Okay, because I remember, you know, uh, Amazing Spider-Man, like, 750. I feel like when we were doing this show, so for them to get another 250... Wait, now I'm bad at numbers. <laughs> another 150. Yeah, I want no because I want to say eight hundred where Superior Spider Man spun out of. Okay, and I think that was just before we started the show. I don't know. Time has no meaning anymore. It does. Uh, it's a flat circle. Yeah, uh, number eight is Marvel Voices Pride. This is their sort of one shot special, that's, seemingly. That's cool. Uh, and then number nine is Knights of X issue three. Uh, of five. So hey, your favorite series. characters on the cover. Oh yeah, Gambit. What can you, what can you say about Gambit? He likes to play cards. He's got a, he's got an accent. I mean, that's yeah. that's about. Yeah, um, what does his accent sound like, Pete? <laughs> no, 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 no. Not even, not even trying uh, that. Damn. But uh, yes, number ten is New Mutants issue twenty six. Uh, so, so Marvel actually do take the majority of the top ten. They have six out of ten, mm-hmm. but uh, DC take spots three through six. So, uh, more of the top five, which is cool. Uh, Flash does sneak in at number eleven, though, just after, so not too far down. Number thirteen is Batman the Night. Um, okay. So not too bad. Uh, the uh, the the Jimmy Olsen uh, Perry White book. Uh, comes in at number 17. Uh, so, you know, uh, I will say the Aquaman and Flash Void song, which neither of us tried, which is no. maybe indicative of how well it's doing, because that's all the way down at, like, number uh, 25 yeah. here. So, yeah, not not doing too hot on that. But At least they're still putting them out, though. You know? I mean, it's um, issue one, but... But what I mean is they're doing these Aquaman <laughs> team-up books. Like, they deep target. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, you know, well, I, I it's the same creative teams. Yeah, I would like to be into it. I'm just the creative teams have been putting on it just haven't been yeah. exciting or interesting, unfortunately. Yeah. So, not much you can do about that. Uh, yeah, something is killing the children. Beat it though at number twenty three. Okay. What issue of that is that? Uh, that is. I have to click on it to find out because title's all S issue twenty four. That is. Gotcha. So that's two two full years of something's killing the children. I have to. I have the first trade. I need to get to it. Oh, it's worth mentioning that Catwoman has fallen off dramatically since Ron V left the book. Because yeah. that that's number thirty on here. I mean, it's free fall. I mean, that's that's below My Little Pony, and 
uh, are you saying are you saying the the bronies don't buy my little ponies enough that that it's or that they're buying it too much i hate that 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 i hate there's a word for my little pony fans and i hate that you know it yeah it's funny <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's not. <laughs> it is. It's not, but uh, it's fine. We'll we'll move on for with our lives. So that's the Kawasaki top ten for the week. You've all enjoyed it. Thank you very much. There you go. <laughs> all right. What did you want to talk about? Yeah. So um, we've been speculating what Josh Williamson's going to do at DC um, after Dark Crisis. Um, and while it's not at DC, he announced him and Andre Bresson who did Birthright with him. They were the team uh, that did that for Skybound, uh, are doing a new comic called Dark Ride, which is uh, going to, to combine two of Williamson's favorite things, uh, horror and amusement parks, um, which is right up my alley as well. So um, very excited for this. I always notice that when Williamson's focus on one of his creator owns, he does take a little step back uh, from, from you know the DC stuff. So maybe this is his, you know, after Dark Crisis, this is his break. Um, but yeah, it's very exciting. The The description that they put out with it is, uh, Devil Land has been the world's premier horror-themed amusement park for over 50 years, home to the scariest ride ever created, The Devil's Do. When lifelong fan Owen Seasons begins his first day on the job, he will discover the true horrors happening behind the scenes, the truth about the park's reclusive creator, Arthur Dante, and that the job of his dreams might be a living nightmare. So, um, yes, please. I already already have it pre-ordered at my shop because I announced this, I feel, on Tuesday. So, um, yeah, very, very, very excited. Did you ever get around to a nail-biter, Pete? I have not, no. Okay. I feel, I feel like you would dig. Um, it's the, been recommended the, to me a few times. Yeah. Um, it's very much more psychological horror, but it does get into some slasher. I mean, the, the main story goes around the, the slashers in this town. But it gets much more psychological. Um, and then Birthright, I wouldn't recommend for you because it's it's basically Flight of the Navigator, but with fantasy elements instead of sci-fi. Um, I like Flight kid, of the Navigator, but uh, yeah, yeah, fantasy elements, not so much. Yeah, kid kid disappears for what seems like, you know, a day, you know, reappears as a gigantic barbarian with a sword and says that he went to this other realm. And then we get his whole story. Very, very good. I fell off of it. Um, when there was a break, I have all the issues. I just need to go back and, you know, and read them. Um, but yeah, no, Josh Williamson's independent stuff it tends to be pretty, pretty good. So if this is what he's doing, you know, uh, I'm sure he also has something else DC up his sleeve. I mean, they, they trust him with Batman for a couple issues. <laughs> for a couple issues. Yeah. I mean, he, he brought back Batman Inc. So... Uh, so they shouldn't have trusted them, is what you're saying. Yeah, right. I love the concept of Batman Inc. Having Ghost uh, Maker there, though, not so much. Um, but yeah, I like the, I like the international. I feel that it, leads, it lends itself to an anthology series more than anything, to where you could have like an arc of each different Batman, you know, around the world, like a three issue arc of the Batman of Japan, you know, fighting uh, Lord Deathman. Get Flatline in there. That'd be cool. Okay, well, there you go. Yeah, there's not really any news this week. I mean, it's not surprising. It's the week after Solicis. It tends to be very quiet. Yeah. Uh, by and but large. Usually, when we get movie news or 
TV stuff popping up, but there's there's nothing. Yeah, it's kind of a quiet week, uh, which you know it's fine. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the boys had a very good episode this week for anyone who cares. That's what I heard. I heard. It's called Herogasm. I'll let your mind mm-hmm. just wonder about I, that. I, I saw a screen cap of, of the new character in Butcher. I don't want to spoil anything for people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's as the title would suggest, but it was a very, it was a very big culmination of a lot of things that have been building for a while. Uh, the, Good. the, <laughs> the, the uh, there's a joke I want to make. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Uh, it shot its load, is what I'm trying to say. The episode shot its load. Uh, in some cases, literally. So, oh, uh, dear. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, it's, a very good t- uh, it's been a very good time for TV recently, actually, because, uh, you know, obviously Stranger Things was on. Uh, mm-hmm. In fact, this time next week, I should have hopefully watched at least the first of the last two episodes, if not both of them. So. When, wait, when do those drop? First of July, I think. Alrighty, because we're going out of town for the fourth. Um, I mean, I'll be here for the show. We're leaving Sunday, but mm. that that'll, that'll give me time to watch those too. Yeah, okay. I made uh, the last ones like two hours and thirty minutes, but oh yeah, no, <laughs> it, it'll be fine. Um, yeah, so that's coming next week. Uh, on, on a more sort of ambiguous note, Westworld season four starts uh, this weekend, and. Season three left such a bad taste in my mouth that I, like, I don't even know. Well, I mean, I'm going to check it out, but, like, I really did, did not like those last three or four episodes. Yeah. Did did it really get away from the... Did it really get into the, the, the sentience thing? Or is it just... What, what made it not work for you? I mean, the sentience thing is what I wanted it to do, and it does sort of go into that. There was just yeah. some really... Like, there was actually, in the middle of season three, there was some really cool ideas sort of being peppered in. It was like, oh, this is going in a very interesting direction. And then it kind of just felt like they went like a simple superhero ending to the season where there was like this fight between two characters and it just it felt yeah. so dumbed down compared to what it was supposed to be. And when you go back to season one of Westworld, like part of what made that show so interesting to watch was how it was playing with narrative devices and time and... Uh, there was lots of yep. confusing elements that intentionally were confusing, but the, it was kind of fun trying to piece the puzzle together. Uh, like, so much of that is lost uh, in season three. It just, it just wasn't there at all. So, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm not sure how to process. I know, the, early, the early things I've seen around the internet is, like, I've seen the phrase return to form. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that is more of the puzzle box narrative. Um, I did see the other Hemsworth that's on the show say something about wanting to do certain kinds of robots on the show. Um, mm. So I don't know if that's them tipping their hand or what, but yeah. Yeah. That's not, it's not even the second Hemsworth. It's the third Hemsworth that's on the show. It's Liam. Well, so I mean, that's what we yeah. know Liam, right? As it, so it's, it's the one I don't even remember his name. I don't know his first. I just know he's a Hemsworth. Um, Wait, so is Liam, is Liam, wait, is Liam not the one that's on Westworld? Is that the other no, one? No, 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 Liam's, Liam's the, the youngest brother. That's the Hunger Games yeah. one. Yeah, that's the Hunger Games okay. one. And then this is the oldest, and I don't know his name. Um, Yeah, I just know Chris and and uh, Liam. Luke, it's Luke. Luke, uh, like, yeah, yeah, I knew it was close to Liam. To that's, yeah, so. But yeah, he was talking about something about wanting to, you know, 
some type of robots. I don't remember which ones, but yeah. No, uh, season one was fine, uh, and then season two came on, and I forgot to watch it, and then I was okay. Um, so I'm okay with it being a standalone for me. Season- I still need to catch up on Saul. That's my next thing I need to do. Oh, you have to, yeah. Now, I mean, in fact, that's the other thing. Saul's back relatively mm-hmm. soon as well for the last half of the season. Um, you know, well, Westworld season two had some good things in it. It definitely wasn't as good as season one, but there was definitely some yeah. high highs in it. But uh, season three, unfortunately, just kind of went off the off the rails for the last batch of it. Which, you know, is a shame. It's always a shame when a TV show that starts off strong goes, um, goes off the tracks. Did, did Brubaker work on those other two seasons or just the first one? For Westworld? Yeah, because he worked on the first season of Westworld. Um, I don't actually know. I don't remember talking about him, so I'm going to say no, but I mean, I, I could just have not been paying attention. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know he's very selective about the TV projects he works on, and he was developing some of his own stuff around the same time. Um, but he said he liked being in that writer's room and bouncing uh, ideas off of the writers and stuff, because I guess he typically writes solo, you know? Um, yeah. So he said it was a nice, it was a nice experiment in other forms of writing. So I just didn't know if he chose to come back. Yeah. As far as comic book adaptations go, um, there's not a trailer for it yet, but uh, it is dated for the end of July. Uh, the Paper Girls TV show. Mm-hmm. Oh. Based on the the Branky Vaughn show, it's an Amazon Prime series. Uh, so there's still not really much out for it, but it does have a date. It's like I remember what I was off the top of my head, but it's it's the last week of July. So presumably. And what's that- very, what's that going to be on? Amazon. Okay. So presumably they're going to have a trailer very soon because it's you know it's June like four weeks. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll see we'll see how that ships up. But uh, I, I I like what I read in the comment though. But I like Brian K. Vaughn's writing, so I, I I was bound to. Yeah, yeah. So he he was in 2016. Brew Baker was on it. He co-wrote Dissonance Theory with Jonathan Nolan. So maybe he only did one thing so he might not have come back but then he also did too old to die young with Raffi. oh yeah i knew that yeah 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 and i was i'm out um that was glorious too old to yeah, die so young I'm, is a glorious it like, seems like your thing i remember us getting into an argument about only god forgives it, uh, too old to die young is a glorious 90 minute movie in slow motion that lasts like eight hours. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it's hypnotic, it's beautiful, and I loved it. <laughs> I thoroughly recommend Tool to Die Young for the art house aficionados out there. You're welcome. So, anyway, let's get a comic book, shall we? Uh, Nightwing issue 93, Tom Taylor writing Bruno Redondo on the R. Uh, we left off last issue with the cliffhanger of Heartless going to uh, Blockbuster. Blockbuster. Mm-hmm. And um, we get the rest of that playing out uh, at the start of the issue here. Uh, and it's an interesting interaction because you, you have Blockbuster getting offended because Heartless wants Bloodhaven. Uh, he just says, You're going to give it to me. Well, no, he says, uh, he says uh, like... Oh, he's oh, going to buy it from him. Yeah, he's like, name your price. Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll buy the safe yeah. from you. And uh, Blumusters obviously doesn't want to do that. Uh, yeah. He tries, tries to hit him. Uh, Heartless doesn't... He's, he's about to take his heart, and he's like, no, mm-hmm. you know what? No one would miss you, so there's no... There's no there's sport no in it. Yeah, there's yeah. no... Uh, I, just I was like, it. wait, 
is Blockbuster's heart massive like the rest of his body? So would that gut even work on it? You know, like that was that was a, a thought that I had reading the issue. Um, we might never know now. Uh, yeah. But also when when uh, Heartless took Blockbuster's punch, that was a big wow moment. Because you're like, there's something up with this guy because that's not, you know. Oh, yeah. I guess that later in the issue, you know, yeah. what's different about him. Uh, but I, I had to make sure. I was like, wait, he's he's like, he's down. And he's in a defensive posture, but like he absorbed it. And you're like, oh, does this guy have superpowers? Like, what's what's the deal? So yeah, was- it, Blockbuster just casually goes and picks up his desk and throws it at Heartless, which sends him flying out the window. So there's this glorious yeah. page. I just, I love it though, because Heartless is standing at the window with his back to him, just monologuing about the city and like, I am going to take this city uh, and make it great. Yeah. <laughs> and like, just like Dash, uh, Dash, sorry, Blockbuster behind him just with the giant desk. <laughs> Blockbuster said yeet. And, and then yeah, that page of him going out the window though. I'm just like, oh, so this is, this is the end of Heartless. This is this is it. You don't survive a, but then you also remember. Oh, he might be superpowered, right? You know. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, I wasn't even really thinking about the specifics. I was just like, well, I don't think he's just going to die like this. There's more story to tell. So uh, clearly, he's surviving this somehow. We'll find out how yeah. a little bit later. So uh, last issue, we also had the sort of the the, the it was, you know it was the police officers who were wearing masks who went into like mess with Haven. And we have Nightwing cleaning the graffiti off, and when this is happening, the police show up and chase him off uh, by shooting at him, uh, and there's a whole squad after him. And it's almost like the police are determined to make sure this graffiti and like how this looks is still Jeez. there. And, yeah. But they do it under the guise that they're they're making sure it doesn't happen. Yeah. Oh yeah. Of course. Yeah. Uh, and we find out later the reason for this is because uh, the the chief wants to do a, a press conference with all this still there, so you can say, "Hey, look, we." Let them do this thing, and they're already ruining it because they're a bunch yeah. of criminals, kind of thing. Uh, but Nightwing's got a fun chase sequence. He runs from the police. Uh, it's almost like that scene in Dark Knight Rises where all the cops are chasing Batman yeah. and the 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 Batpod. Uh, huh? uh, it's that kind of shot where the, 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 the cars are in like a sort of diamond formation. Yeah, um, I I do love that he dives behind a bush in a tree and dives out on the motorcycle. It's, that's yeah, that's a really fun sequence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, I only just noticed this though, but he actually puts on like a Nightwing jacket as well mm-hmm. <laughs> when he comes out of the bush. <laughs> like, a, like a motorcycle jacket. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so there's a fun sequence of him uh, chasing. He, he grapples and jumps the bike off the yep. bridge onto the top of a, a building. Uh, and it's not like a neat landing either. He sort of crashes onto it and he's like, ah, yeah. shit, uh, I'm going to feel that in the morning. Uh, so he goes and stays with Babs, uh, and they actually references the, uh, the the new Batgirls headquarters in the hill, uh, which yep. obviously has been uh, established in the Batgirls book. But uh, this is clearly where Oracle like discovers through the their own footage who these masked guys were. We we kind of already knew from last issue, but it just kind of had a feeling. Yeah, it teases it here, uh, and they've got something interesting here. And they get alerted uh, by uh, Dick's sister about what's going on down the at the mayor. Haven. Yeah. But also Dick's sister. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. But it's also, you know. <laughs> I know, but it sounds like, it sound like a correction. I'm like, well, it's still oh, sister. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. Dick's sister, <laughs> comma, also the mayor uh, of Bloodhaven. Um, which I can't remember her name. What's what's her? <sighs> don't put me on the spot like that, Matt. That's Damn that's... it. Well, I'm just putting myself on the spot, too, because I don't remember it. But 
They haven't addressed her by that. Oh, Melinda Zuko. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So, Mayor well, he, Zuko. He calls her M, so I was going to be a smart yeah. ass and just go M, but yeah. Uh, so My stupid ass would have agreed with you too. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, it's a Tim. So the police are harassing all the kids down at Haven, kind of just, you know, searching them for no reason, just general harassment. Um, and the chief's like a, a you know, being all cocky with, with Dick and saying, oh, you can't just get whatever you want. You, you're not in control of every situation, Mr. Grayson. But then, of course, the press release happens, uh, or the press conference happens, and that's when, of course, Oracle and Dick uh, spread out this video Dick is up and sort of says, no, this is not the truth, this is what happened. Uh, and there's a video showing everyone who these masked people were, and they're all parts of the Bloodhaven Police Department. So, of course, all the press start harassing the chief, and yep. uh, he starts yelling and demanding to know where this footage came from. Because one of the suspicious things about all this is that it's funny how the police cameras, or the street cameras, all seem to go offline for this yep. happening last night. And Dick rightly asked, wait, so a bunch of teenage thugs who do graffiti uh, took down the police the camera system? <laughs> really? <laughs> that happened. So Doesn't make sense. Yeah. So it's kind of a feel-good issue in a lot of ways because this just is just kind of a win where they get to you know, show, show the police chief to be full of shit in front of everyone. Uh, Dick and Oracle <laughs> are very happy. Uh, also, Dick let out an accidentally I love you earlier. I forgot to mention that. that was... Yeah, but I was going to bring that up, and I was pulling up where we're in the issue that it comes up. Yeah, it's just when she, it's when she reveals that she's <clears throat> what she's found out on the uh, on the on the cameras. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess the only thing about this, the, the, it's a really sweet moment, right? And then of course he gets kind of squirmy afterwards, and she's kind of enjoying it. Uh, it's it's actually kind of hard to believe. I know I know this is the first time I've been directly like really exploring them as a, a relationship in quite some time mm-hmm. but it is kind of hard to believe that he's never said it before <laughs> no i just feel like it's so offhanded right and that that's yeah. what gets it because i feel like they're trying to keep it professional mm. and they're not you know they're not trying to do the whole so just his eyes going wide and her eyes you know right after it's it's super Oh, it's Super a well it's a compliment to the art because it's mm-hmm. it's one of those moments where it's like three similar panels but just the yep. different expressions after the thing said, mm-hmm. uh, and then like her teasing him about it and because yep. he, he tries to apologize like Wait, you're apologizing for loving me. He's like, no, no, yes, kind I mean, of no. Yeah. Uh, and, then the, and then his sister calls. He's like, oh, thank God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was. Uh... But yeah, no, it was. Um, I've I've seen people complain that the the pacing on this is too slow, and it's similar with with um, Son of Kal El, but I just think that's Tom Taylor's writing style. Is like you said, this is like a win, so this is to to set up where where we're going, you know. Yeah, I honestly I love the pacing in this book. Yeah, I I have less. I don't have any issue with the pacing here. I feel like. Son of Kal-El's burning, turning its wheels a little bit, or they're spinning the wheels a little bit with certain things. This, though, everything feels deliberate. Like I, I This is the sort of pacing I like in a comic book, because this is the mm-hmm. sort of thing where e- like each event, like it feels like a solid continuity going throughout the run, mm-hmm. but also each event feels like distinct, because it gets like an issue to kind of breathe and kind of focus on each yep. thing. So this issue is there's is, is two main things. It is this press conference and all of the reveal that comes from that and the the build up to it and then the other side of it, of course is the heartless stuff which yeah you know and i think both are going to be very memorable i'm going to 
basically be able to retain this information till next issue in a way that some comics I can't because right. uh, they, they, they do fire through too much or things don't land that much. Whereas everything here has weight to it. And I'm enjoying uh, those, I mean, those little character beats where they get to react to things. You know, whether it's the I love you moment or afterwards when they're kind of celebrating. Like, yeah. all of those moments land really well. Um, and yeah, you really want to see this smug police commissioner be brought down a peg or two. Yeah. So when they release the footage, it feels great. It, you know, there's, there's, there's yeah. lots of swings yeah. and ups and downs. It's, very, it's a very character-driven book right now. Yeah. Right? And so... Even the stuff like with uh, just going going back and I didn't notice this the first time I read it, um, that when when Babs is sitting on the computer before she sends the information mm. that the police people, um, she has the dog's paw send it, and so when Dick thanks her, she goes, "Oh, that wasn't me. That that was Haley." Uh, so I thought that was pretty pretty cute, and that's another moment between them, you know, yeah. that builds a relationship. So, um. But yeah, and I saw that I saw that criticism come out, and I was just like, I understand it was Son of Kal-El, but with Nightwing, it's working. It doesn't feel like it's spinning its wheels. Everything feels very deliberate and paced out like this on purpose. Um, it has the I like it has the pacing of a comic run, and not not like a, a book where the artist or the writer doesn't know if they're getting another arc after. So, right. they, they, so they keep doing arc by arc, whereas this feels like, no, no, there's a long game in mind here. And he every has, piece yeah, is important. he has an end point and we're going to build to it properly. You know, so, we're going to get there, but, but yeah. Yeah. So I have absolutely no issues uh, with, oh, yeah, with no. the pacing. Um, yeah. So the big final scene is heartless going back to his hideout and it turns out he has uh, like an Alfred, <laughs> See yeah, a, a, a servant or a handler. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he comes in and he's obviously hurt from his fall, and there's like like pink smoke or whatever coming from his chest. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, so the big tell though is that when he we see his arm, he's got like USB slots in his arm, and I'm yeah. like, wait, is he a robot? What's going on? Uh, and then obviously the next couple of pages makes it clear that he is an augmented human. He's got cybernetic implants and yep. you know improvements and things like that. Uh, but the 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 caveat he has is that his heart that he has right now is like done and needs to be replaced. And you know the ending is like his servant going to this wall of just jars of hearts. So he is using the hearts for something. They have a practical use, and that he seems to have to keep replacing his heart. Maybe it's because all the extra implants like take too much mm-hmm. energy or something, so they're they're oh, wearing uh, down yeah. the hearts. You know, or some some of that over time. He's he's like a inverted Iron Man, right? So where, <laughs> you know, he has to have a real heart instead of the, the, um, what's it called? The repulsor one. Yeah. What the hell is that called? Anyway. Um, although I didn't notice this till either, but he has a gigantic jar on that wall. So maybe that was meant for Blockbuster. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. So, there you go. um, I don't know how much of a purpose it would serve him. Right. Or, but... or maybe it's for, like, I don't know, like. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's got a grindy heart, and I mean, yeah. to be fair, it does look empty right yeah. now. So that would lend credence to the blockbuster theory. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, I also like how he said that you know what was wrong. He misunder or he underestimated a brute. You know that he he went with the wrong tack for blockbuster. Um, which which I do like because it it makes blockbuster seem that much more of a legitimate bad guy. Yeah, um, for sure. Uh, you know, blockbuster. I, I think I, I like how kind of like temperamental and reckless he is and like mm-hmm. 
The idea that Heartless couldn't have predicted that he would just pick up a desk and throw him through a window yeah. is actually quite funny to me. <laughs> Who could, though? Who does that? Who throws a desk? Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, guys, that too. Yeah, the art is phenomenal. I mean, it always is with Redondo, but like, you know, it's so expressive. There's so many moments between the I love you, between the reactions when the when the footage is released to the press and like, you know, even just like, there's like a guy with a notepad, like asking a question, just like has this like, you know, everything with the the, 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 the acting on the faces is, is pretty much perfect. And it's one of the things that this has really excelled at. But then you've also got the action. You've got the big chase sequence uh, with Dick on his bike, uh, which is just full of these big, you know, big action movie stale shots. You can feel, you know, you can feel that moment with the cars chasing them down the street uh, or the swing off the off the lamppost from the mm-hmm. bridge. Like, all of it just has this momentum to it. Uh, or, or the, you know, even the playful moments of, like, going through the bush and coming out with the bike. Um, you know, like, this is a book that's dealing with some serious issues at times, but it, it never forgets to be playful. It never forgets to have the spirit of Dick Grayson uh, kind of, right? like, going through out of it. And, yeah. Uh, they are just one of the many elements that make that that work. So, well, and it's and it's um it's the artist and the writer working in unison, you know that they both you know manage to to nail the spirit of the characters because Babs feels like Babs and Dick feels feels like Dick, you know Blockbuster feels right on. So yeah, and yeah, also I, you know works. just scrolling back through it, like one of the panels that I really like just looking at it is uh when the cops first show up to, and shoot a dick, he hits one of them in the, in the face with a bucket, and that panel of him getting hit, mm-hmm. the, the bucket bouncing off his head, the facial expression on the guy he got hit is mm-hmm. hilarious. It looks, it's amazing. Is that, <laughs> and then he puts the bucket on the dude's head. Yeah, yeah. And you get the twang. Yeah, uh, so it's... So yeah, yeah there's just lots of really fun stuff mixed mm-hmm. in with a really good ongoing plot uh, where, you know, I'm excited to see how Blockbuster what he does next i'm excited to see what heartless does next um it's, it's funny it's almost like the enemy of my enemy is my friend where it's almost like blockbuster and nightwing both have bloodhaven interests at heart for very different reasons whereas i feel like heartless wants to do something way more sinister um i mean he kind of describes part of it he says like he's actually happy that like dick grayson is doing what he's doing because he mm-hmm. wants to set it to feel hope before he rips it away right Whereas, whereas Blockbuster just wants to make money off of people. Um, doesn't man, matter if it's illegal or not. And so, again, he feels very much like Kingpin. So, uh, I mean, we've seen Kingpin and Daredevil team up and, you know, when there's a bigger uh, threat to the city. Uh, but yeah, this is what this feels like. Um, but yeah, and I'm just looking at the page where he throws the desk. <laughs> and just the colors on that page. With the blues and purples that turn into the oranges and pinks. Like, everything on this book. Everything is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and even the idea that you've got him sort of standing framed in the window with Blockbuster standing behind him. It's like he's in a comic panel, and then he gets thro- launched out of the comic mm-hmm. panel. Yeah. yeah. So there's lots of little inventive touches like that. Uh, all right, what are you rating Nightwing issue 93? I'm giving this one an 8.5. I am going to go with. Hmm. I'll agree with the eight point five, but, but, but I was thinking of going with the nine. That's what I wanted. To I, I thought nine two, and then I I, I reserved myself. Mm, I'm um, reining in just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but it was another excellent issue. So, 
Uh, favorite favorite book coming from DC right now. Favorite ongoing certainly. So yeah, yeah, another winner. The Flash seven eight three Jeremy Adams with Amanki and Hilpin on the art list issue, and this is the start of the three part Dark Crisis tie in, uh, the search for Barry Allen, and um, you know it still does feel like an issue of the Flash though. You know it still has mm-hmm. the, the 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 Linda thread there. She tries to tell Wall at the start that she's got powers, but doesn't quite get it out. Although Mister Terrific picks up on it. Uh, yeah, and I and I do like that because it's it's Mister Terrific, right? He, mm. you know, um. But yeah, that was pretty, pretty funny as, as you know, they're trying to go, you know, they're, they're trying to tune to the, the different berry signatures to find their berry. And she's trying to tell him, but Wally's not really listening because he's trying to get this all together. Mm-hmm. And that was real funny. Yeah. Uh, so you got the Flash family, minus Bark. He's off in Young Justice, but you've got uh, mm-hmm. Wally, Max, Jesse, uh, Wallace, and Jay who are all mm-hmm. going to go hunting for Barry. And they've basically scanned and found like three different Barry Allens across the multiverse that might be him. So they're mm-hmm. all going to team up in pairs uh, and head off into, you know, try and find them. So you'll see which one's the right one. Uh, so later on, we do get some like multiverse Barry Allen shenanigans, which we can get into. Uh, yeah. But part of the plot here is that uh, Wally's kids actually end up jumping into the portal, into the Speed Force. Uh, they're not supposed to, but... They're determined, or I Ray at least, is determined to prove that they're ready to be superheroes. Yep. So I think it's Jay who runs in after them, so he's probably going to be with them when he shows yep. up. Uh, you have Jesse and Max go somewhere. Together. Yeah, so they go to, well, I mean, I said maybe, it's, maybe this is intentional because one of them is Max, but it's very much Mad Max, Fury Road, yep. uh, The Flash, because Wally's in a car and he's been chased with all these other vehicles uh, in the desert. Uh, the kids end up in a place where Barry's basically Batman because there's a there's a an Allen Tower and we see like or a, Lex Luthor. Well, you see a bat silhouette behind them. Is that what that is? Yeah, there's like a Batman behind them, don't it? Oh, I guess he's like Bat Flash then. So yeah, that that makes more sense. Yeah, he's got like a cape and yeah, obviously the ears are more like uh, the Flash horn, uh, you know, the horns. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's a, that's, that's a Batman. I when I saw the Allen Tower, I thought only Lex Luthor would have the audacity <laughs> to do something like that. So that, that's why my brain went to Lex. But you're right. I just thought, oh, it's an evil Flash, but no, Bat Flash makes much more sense. Yeah. Although, are we in the Dark Multiverse? Because because that's how you end up with a Dark Knight. I, yeah, Steel, I, I, I don't think we're doing evil Bat Flash. I think we're just doing yeah. a Batman yeah. Flash. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, so that that's where the kids end up. Uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, like honestly, like I had a decent time with this. I, I like the Flash family all sort of teaming up and running mm-hmm. into the portals. Um, there is a, a, a sort of tease at the start. It does that thing where it's, it shows you something bad and says, "Hey, mm-hmm. twenty four hours earlier," and we don't get to it in this issue. So this is clearly something that's for the rest of the arc. Uh, mm-hmm. so the, the first page is uh, I because uh, so, this looks because of the the the, the pin dark kind of art style. Yeah. Uh. I assume this is it's Barry. Barry. Yeah, it's Barry in Reverse Flash, and I presume it's the Barry that's in the, you know, wherever he is, because we saw this in the the previous mini as well, uh, leading into Dark Crisis. But uh, you know, so Barry seems to be in a sort of Silver Age version of his world, right? Mm-hmm. He's he's with Iris. He's got kids, uh, but it's all this classic uh, art style to make it look Silver Age. And that's where Wally and Wallace end up. They end up seeing mm-hmm. some of this. But, you know, 
you see you have a young Wally with Barry as Kid Flash, like running out and stopping Captain Cold. And it's all very classic stuff and they're you know, remember and save the civilians first and uh Barry uses a mirror to reflect Cold's gun back at him and you know, the, the, the ending's just, you know, Wally and Wallace are here going, what the hell is this? Where are we? So, obviously, we were speculating before when we saw this originally is that Barry's been held captive in some kind of, like, made-up fake version of the world to sort of keep mm-hmm. him happy. They started this issue, though, with the tease of the future, where he's beating up Reverse Flash, saying you'll never hurt, you know, this is you know, for you hurting my family or whatever. That implies to me that this is actually maybe more of, like, a nightmare world where it maybe he's in a loop where it always ends with Reverse Flash killing his wife and kids. That's what I was getting from that. I don't know if you were. Maybe I'm still trying to determine because that looks like Wally in the in the suit. Because I'm trying to determine the hair color. Because it feels like this is something that's maybe he's seeing Wally as Reverse Flash. Well, yeah, that be specific there. You're saying you think that's Wally in the Reverse Flash suit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the hair, and then I realized I don't know what color Thon's hair is normally. We don't usually see him outside of his suit. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> so does he have red hair like like Wally? I mean... I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, maybe Barry sees him as Reverse Flash, or maybe, like, for some reason, Wally dresses as Reverse Flash for some sort of weird plan to make him snap yeah. out of it. I, I don't know. But then... Yeah, they, they said that he has... That Thon does have reddish hair, so maybe maybe you're right. But I took this as... I was like, wait, is this... Is this Wally? on the ground wearing his old Kid Flash suit? Like a different version? Or or what? Oh no, it's but, definitely not Kid Flash. It's definitely the reverse yeah. Flash suit. There's no doubt in my mind it's yeah. that. And so that's where I started thinking like, well, okay. Well, maybe Barry's seeing him as this because what, wherever, whoever put him in this world wants to keep him there. You know? And so if he, like you said, this is like, you know. Well no, because if he wants to keep him there then why wouldn't they just stay happy? So that he's like docile and like at peace. Right, so that that's why he would see Wally as someone coming to get him out as his oh sure main yeah enemy, you know yeah because I because so, I'm thinking maybe it's more about just torturing him and maybe that's why like maybe mm-hmm. maybe this keeps happening on a loop where Reverse Flash keeps killing his yeah. family. I mean, we'll find out, yeah. I suppose, as the yeah. as the story goes on. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's kind of a tie-in in the sense that Barry being missing is is related to. Dark Crisis, or, or more yeah. more specifically, the build up to Dark Crisis, and maybe when they find Barry, if they do find Barry by the end of the third part, is that he'll end up in Dark Crisis at that point. But mm-hmm. uh, it still just felt like an issue to Flash to me, uh, which and I and oh. I mean that in a good way. Yeah, and it helps that the they reference the you know Mister Terrific being there from you know when when they had to get Barry out of the you know when when he was jumping around yeah so you, you and even you know afterwards he set mm-hmm. wally up with his new job so yep. t- terrific feels like a, a, a recurring supporting character in the book yep and, and the stuff with the kids and they're referencing like hey we have you know we're superheroes too we helped dad out before because well, they helped out eclipso i mean you know even the fact that the kids are getting their own subplot in this mm-hmm. it still feels like part of the flash run you know right. this, this doesn't feel like something that'll be skipped in the trades this, when they're collecting it no this this just feels like what Flash is doing during Dark Crisis versus a tie-in that, you know, they're forcing Wally to do Dark Crisis shenanigans. You know, it's all, it's been set up pretty well. So It feels natural, I guess, is what yeah. I'm trying to say. Uh, so yeah, uh, Jesse and Max end up in Mad Max Fury yeah. Road Flash World. 
where right. there's a great two-page spread of Flash and a Flashmobile, I guess we'll call it. <laughs> it, looks like it. It looks like an old muscle car. Yeah, but it's, yeah, but it's red with a yellow lightning bolt on the, in the hood, so... <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there's, like, tankers chasing after him, and also, like, a, uh, a quad and a bike. Um, I, I heard the Doof Warrior music, for sure. <laughs> I'm surprised there wasn't a guy playing guitar on the like, top of a vehicle behind yeah. him, to be honest. Uh, Shooting fire. Like, I'm like, this is... Like, because obviously you see the flashback, and you're thinking, oh, we, maybe, you know, the other two are going to find... Because obviously yeah. the, the one in the Silver Age is the real Barry, right? At least that's what right. we think, right? We're pretty convinced that's the real Barry. So... Okay, so the kids end up in Flash Batman world. You're thinking, oh, the other two will end up... Maybe it'll be Flash, but as a different character. It'll be Flash Superman or Flash Aquaman mm-hmm. or something. But no, they're, 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 they're dipping into the Warner Brothers well and just going, no, 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 it's Mad Max. <laughs> yeah. It's well, Fury and Road. I feel like we've seen a version of this Wally before with the long beard, you know, um, show up. Not Wally, Barry. I was going to say, what are you talking about? Whoa, Wally. Yeah. With with the long beard, just different versions. So, you know. Uh, but you're right. I feel like they are tapping into the Warner. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I wonder if it's um. Obviously, of course, Fury Road's all, all one big chase movie. I wonder if that's kind of the joke is that you know Flash is a running character, so it makes sense he'd wasn't, be in the chase. Wasn't there a so. comic book that was like this? That was like it was like Wacky Racers, but with DC. It was a Wacky Racers one, yeah. Right, but I, I remember them being like um a, a it wasn't a jokey book, but it was like an out of continuity style, you know, crazy racers type thing. I'm gonna have to look this up now. I don't recall it, but I mean, I'll, I don't deny it exists. I'm sure they did a wacky race because they, they were doing all those Hanna Barbera. No, they did do a wacky races yeah. DC wacky uh, is it wacky Raceland. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to look this up while we talk, because... Well, I mean, there's not really much left to say in the issue, because yeah. this, this issue uh, is mostly set up for all these things going on, and that last chunk where it's, like, Barry, Silver Age Barry, getting up for breakfast with his family, yeah, getting the call about, you know, Captain Cold, meeting up with Wally, it does get a significant amount of, you know, page count to really do it. And it's a credit to it that I actually do think it feels relatively authentic and kind of like a fun Silver Age segment, you know? So I, I think they nailed yeah. that feel, which is cool. Well, yeah, and and uh, New Help and the, changing the art style too a little bit. It becomes cleaner. You have those those finer lines. You know, you have the, the color dots and all of that stuff too. I, I like when artists can shift their style yeah. to that. Well, Instead of bringing in a different artist. This would be a perfect example of uh, when it's okay to have a different artist, but, you know, mm-hmm. I'm looking at the credits page, and it is just the one artist credit. Mm-hmm. It's just New Hulpin. So yeah. uh, credit to them for completely shifting the style. And obviously the colouring is very different. There's a lot of other elements, but uh, it, it, even the line work feels different. So mm-hmm. uh, credit where credit is due on that. Yeah. Um, and New Hulpin is pretty solid anyway. The rest of it is just really solid house style stuff. Uh, but, you know, stuff like the Mad Max two-page spread looks really cool. Um, the kids looking up at uh, Alan Tower. It, it almost feels like um, in the Super Mario Brothers movie when they look up at Koopa Tower. Kind of thing. <laughs> like, I'm, yeah. I'm getting those kind of vibes. Uh, but, no. Nah, so, yeah, very good. Uh, Alright, what, what are you rating Flash, then? Um, I'm going to give this a 7.5. Uh, oh, you know what? I might even stretch it to the 8 this, this, this issue. Uh, 
I, I had good fun with this. I, I actually think it's doing a decent job of tying into what it's supposed to tie into, but still feeling like a fun story in its own and feeling like part of the run. So, uh, you know, I have to, like, this, this Flash run's kind of interesting because it's like, it's not this spectacular all-timer, but it's the little run that could where I, I'm finding myself enjoying it the more it goes on. So, uh, good stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. Dark Crisis, Young Justice, Issue 1, Megan Fitzmartin, writing with Laura Bar- Braga on the art. Uh, this is the miniseries that's tying into Dark Crisis. And is you know, as a Young Justice story, uh, Cassie's the, the narrator and the lead character, and it's about her trying to find uh, Connor, Tim, and Bart, mm-hmm. who go missing kind of suddenly early in this, this story. And they all end up in an alternate world, or possibly the past. They're not quite sure. Uh, we'll get right. into that as we get, we talk about it. But um, I will I will say this: the first page of this almost made me not read it because <laughs> because I opened the first page and the amount of narration boxes on that first page is mm-hmm. ridiculous. Oh, I'm going to count on one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirty, forty, fifty, sixty, seventy, eighteen. Eighteen text boxes on one page is there's, too much. There's a lot. It's too much. Um, but, yes, so it sort of shows you them at the uh, the Justice League funeral, uh, and then Cassie talks about all the shit that their generations had to go through with Infinite Crisis, and Connor dying, Bart dying. <laughs> it was a very nice summation of an era of comics that I came into reading. Yeah. And uh, so they really do feel like this lost generation, and, you know, having Cassie set this up, I think was a, a really nice meta commentary. Yeah, uh, they also have uh, Sissy. Uh, yep, who was Arrowette. Arrowette, yeah. Um, I will admit, obviously it sounds different to say because it's Sissy and not Cassie, right. but on on the page they look very similar to, to, to read. Right, I almost wish they'd, they'd given, you know, made, color Wonder Girl on those pages with Sissy. Yeah. Or, or call her Sis or something, give her a different, but yeah. Or by her last name. Uh, honestly, uh, the amount of times in my head I accidentally said Kissy and not Sissy because I was I kept reading Cassie. So my, my brain was funny. just like hard C. Uh, but yeah, so I did think the setup of this is... A, like, I enjoyed the kind of the recap of the, their generation stuff, but I, I did think the the inciting moment is, was kind of weird where the three characters just disappear in the room and no one else in the room except Cassie seems to notice or care that the three characters just vanished and maybe that's kind of part of the point is the idea that those characters did vanish from continuity to some extent i mean tim not as much although he got diminished uh certainly yeah but it's kind of interesting um you know and there's this weird thing where cassie kind of says that maybe it would have been better if everyone who died stayed dead uh and then she blames herself is this is this my fault it's it's kind of like home alone is this my fault because i wished i had no family (laughs) i made my family disappear yeah Yeah. that's basically what it is yeah uh but so we we see where they are though so the so Mm -hmm. tim wakes up alfred's there so he's confused he thinks he's been back in time uh Mm -hmm. it turns out all three of them went to the same place you know they're all in the same world so they meet up uh, Connor gets his old Superman shirt on and his jacket from the early 90s. Um, it, it implies it's just after Death of Superman based on what's yep. on the computer screen. Yep. Uh, and like, well, let's go and be Young Justice. So they, they sit up and go out and they've got their old costumes on. Uh, and meanwhile, Cassie's tra- talking to Sissy, trying to figure out, okay, 
they're not in the Hall of Justice, they've completely disappeared. And then clearly some time passes because she ends up like going to talk to others, you know, uh, Jesse and Max, mm-hmm. for example. And like, you know, she goes to, to Dick to say, hey, have you seen Tim? She goes to, to John, have you seen Connor? Uh, I will say this, uh, the art here, uh, and Braga's art's not bad, but yeah. I will say the extra lines she's added to John's Superman costume, I'm not a fan of. There's like no. these, all, all these like stripes in the blue part, which I'm like, what? It's- it, it's too reminiscent of the Superman New Fifty Two costume. Yeah, yeah. And I don't, I don't like it. So, uh, it's also inconsistent. See if you look at that that panel where she's talking to John, mm-hmm. top of the Daily Planet building. The small, so so there's like two, he's there twice on that panel where he's like flying and floating in the background in one, and then he's like you know got like a sort of mid shot of like mm-hmm. his chest upwards. Uh, the costume doesn't match on the panel, like. If you look at the, the flying version, the collar's blue and the, the red from the S stops before it goes to the collar. But then when you do the close-up, uh, the red goes all the way up and the collar's red. So so even in the same panel, the two the two versions of them aren't consistent. So, you know. Uh, but hey. Uh, so yeah, so she's feeling... Uh, in the, in the, the backstory, uh, the, 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 the trio of Young Justice are fighting... Um, uh, what's her name? The mighty endowed. Yeah, she's got. I mean, she's got big tits. That's, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's so a joke. I, it's been a very long time since I read Young Justice, and I might want to give it a revisit now, because I was like, "There's no way this character was the first one." Sure enough, Young Justice number one from September '98. <laughs> they fight the mighty endowed, but there it's done in a way where you never see her fully. It's only from like the neck up, or it's always heavily implied. So here, there's always something that's covering up her her bus line, or you know, um, which I was like, this is so stupid. But then the way I kept reading, I was like, all right, this is kind of nineties fun. Like, that's I mean, honestly, this was kind of weird. I'm like, really, you wanted to bring this character back? Yep. And I guess it's part of the joke. And it is worth mentioning, like, you know, both, both the, the writer and artist are both women on this book, yep. so it's so clearly this isn't just, like, a, a dude who's like, oh, I'm going to bring this character no. back with the big boobies. <laughs> well, and so, yeah, so when, when you get into the origin of, of in the Mighty Endowed, she was a professor named Nina Dowd who comes across some fourth world energy, and it transforms her into this, but she's so top-heavy, she can't walk on her own without assistance. So again, it was almost like a commentary on comics of the time. Yeah, that just had these, uh, you know, disproportionate women. And so, as I'm reading this, that's where I was like, "This, she better have some history with Young Justice." And yeah, sure enough, uh, she was the first. So this is definitely going back to their first appearance. Um, so this it was is just this the is three uh, boys. this is Peter David's Young Justice you're talking about, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, so. I've not read that. Uh, it's, it's on my my long to read list at some point. But I read the first the first trade, but it's been years at this point. I'm talking maybe twenty. So yeah. Hmm. So the cliffhanger at the end of the issue is in this past or alternate reality, whatever it may be. Uh, because we're still not sure by the end of the issue, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like because they're, they're they they think it's the past, but they're not. You know, there's wiggle room here, especially. Since it's a Dark Crisis tie-in, and the other Dark Crisis tie-in, The Flash, is dealing with, like, alternate, like, realities, mm-hmm. it's a very good chance that that's more like what this is. Uh, but, uh, basically, a, another Wonder Girl shows up in the, 
in their part of the story. Uh, mm-hmm. The very different outfit, and it is a young Cassie, and it says next time a tale of two Cassies. So this might shed some light on exactly what's going on here. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, it is interesting. I hate that outfit she has at the end. By the way, I'm not I'm not fond of that. Uh, that that is her very '90s where she yeah. wore the wig still. Yeah, I know. Once I feel like once uh, they they formed Young Justice, she or Young Justice, the New Teen Titans. Yeah, that's where she got her real good costume. Don't call it the New wearing. Teen Titans. The New Teen Titans is an actual name of something from <laughs> the, before. The John's Teen Titans. Yes. That, that was a combination of Young Justice and the New Teen Titans. Yes. The new AKA te- my Titans team. Yeah. New Teen Titans is the 80s. Yes. That's the original. Yeah, that's, well, that's, it's not the original Wolf- Teen Titans, but it's, it's the Teen Titans that made it Wolf- like a big thing. Wolfman and Perez. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The book that yeah. rivaled the X-Men in the sales because it, it was did. that big at the time. Yep. So... But yeah, this was very like the the more I read this, so I I got it like you know I want to see Connor. I'm gonna put it out there. I'm not a big fan of his the resuscitated '90s look. Mm. I hate the high fade and the leather jacket, and but I also like the the jeans and t-shirt Superboy look, which I know Pete's not a fan of. I mean, um, you see it for a second when he's lying there yeah. dead. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. Um, so to see that and to see them go back to the 90s and that just it seems like they're having a little bit of fun with that era in Dark Crisis and how these how these kids fit in to the overall because they are this lost generation now. Like we talked about it a little bit when, you know, with Dick and, and Wally when they weren't really being showcased back in before Rebirth. And now it feels like it's these characters that are but. With that, there's also comic creators around our generation that are fans of these guys. So, like, I feel like this creative team, um, we're fans of this, and so they're getting to pay homage to Young Justice in of itself. And hopefully, hopefully, this leaves them with with a spot in the DCU still, because DCU is all about legacy, and there, there's you know more than enough for you know Impulse and as we're calling them Ace and John and, and Connor and yara and cassie tim you know i did like what they said about tim being robin is like he's the one that chose to be robin right like dick was you know the first jason was bequeathed on him but tim went out of his way to become robin and now i like that the writer puts in there he has no choice but to keep being robin um so i I did like that it really showed why tim is different than the rest of them so but yeah, no, this was, this was a whole lot of fun. More more fun than I expected. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, no, it was not bad. I, I was a little worried at the start. Like, I, I saw that first page and was like, oh, I don't know if I want to read this. Uh, but I don't think it, it, it doesn't feel essential. It does feel very skippable. Mm-hmm. If, if you just want to read Dark Crisis, uh, and to, yeah. to, to be fair, same with the Flash arc, but we're reading that because we're reading the Flash anyway. Uh, right. This feels like it's... If you like Young Justice and you want a book focusing on them for for the nostalgia's sake and for just because you care about them, that you may get something out of it. Um, it's not amazing. Like you know, it's just not blowing my socks off. It's, but it, it, it was it was it was decent enough as a read once once it got going. Uh, so, you know, uh, but yeah, uh, but you know, it, it's it's uh, a little overstuffed with words at some points, and they are from Braga who. It's generally decent, but not amazing, and it does have you know the odd moment of like a weird face or like I say that inconsistency in the Superman outfit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so 
What are you rating Dark Crisis Young Justice um, issue one? I'm giving this one a seven. Uh, I think I'll go six point five. I'll go, I'll go an inch, okay. an inch lower. Uh, readable, but you know, not not like not mm-hmm. blow away greater end. So very cool. Uh, Batman Superman World's Finest issue four. Mark Wade writing, Dan Mora on the art. Uh, so the Demon Neza. Uh, the the story continues. This uh, book is wilding. Mark Wade is just doing whatever the hell he wants, he, and I love it. He is doing some wild things. I mean. Yeah, so right away, like, you know, Superman and Batman are, are fighting Green Lantern, or old, uh, Neza grabs Batman for a bit and, you know, monologues about his master plan. Mm-hmm. Um, the big thing, uh, so Neza's, like, possessing a bunch of people. He's building an army for mm-hmm. what? We're not sure yet. Batman questions that. But they end up both fighting Green Lantern again. And Green Lantern's actually fighting Superman quite well. You know, Batman theorizes that he's been imbued with magic from Neza. So that's uh-huh. making it work very effectively against Superman. But the big thing is, is that... So this is where it starts to like, do something crazy, is Batman's like, look, it takes so much willpower from Hal to use that ring, but his willpower won't be as strong right now because he's being controlled. He possessed. Uh-huh. So maybe if we combine our willpower, we can actually take the ring away. <laughs> so they basically just sort of like, as they're shielding against the blast, uh-huh. are like, right, just focus all your, your willpower into taking that ring. And sure enough, they manage to like have the ring like come over to them like Mjolnir. And when it hits them, the, and this is the big like, what the hell's going on in the issue? Yep. They fuse together into one being like Firestorm. We have a, a Batman Superman character slash outfit yeah it's, it's like it's a take on the composite batman superman but it's like super bats you know like he, uh, it, he has batman elements to the costume but also superman elements yeah what so what's so weird about this is the the the, the choice to put the bat logo inside the superman logo mm-hmm. is when you have like because because the, the the superman logo inside the batman logo is actually pretty We've seen it a bunch. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a it pretty works. standard thing, and it looks quite good. This thing looks really weird. It looks like because like the S goes into like a bat in the middle. It mm-hmm. looks like a. I don't know. <laughs> Do you think that Mark Wade was such hated Batman for Superman so much he didn't want to use that logo again? Ah, uh, maybe yeah, like, maybe that's why. Like it's why. been tainted to him. Um, I don't know. This should not work, but it does. This is so. Like we've talked about in other issues, it's so silver agey. This yes. is very silver agey. And like I, I do like that he puts a limit on it. Like they only have so much willpower, and it's like a you know, we, we get a ticking clock for how long they can yeah, do this. It's basically the Green Lantern uh, you know, like uh-huh. X percent remaining mm-hmm. kind of thing, but willpower yep. specifically. Uh and they're they're trying to fight Neza. And they're able to fly him all the way to uh, Monte Carlo, where the the tomb is that can imprison him. Uh, and obviously, the, the, we're you know diving into other plots as this is going on. We also see that yep. Nez is controlling a bunch of other heroes. He's got, uh, I assume that's Wally, Kid Flash, because of the time yep. period. Ace. Uh, we got Black Canary, Martian Manhunter, Red Tornado, Firestorm, and Wonder Girl. Uh, Donna specifically. Yep. So bit of a weird hodgepodge of characters, but. Uh, so they all fight the Superman-Batman hybrid uh, at certain points. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, yeah, they, they fight Neza and they like fly him out of space and then bring him back down in the right part of the planet. And 
you know, intermingle uh, eventually with Doom Patrol. Although this has been Supergirl gets back because basically they, they split yeah. apart and it's like shit. We we don't have enough left in us to like finish finish and get them to the, yep. the the finish line. And luckily, that's when Supergirl comes swooshing in and punches the crap out of him and gets kind of a, a hell yeah moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then reveals at the end uh, what she found out in the past with with Dick, which is that the tomb can only be sealed from the inside. So one of the members of the Warriors in the past had to sacrifice themselves uh, inside the tomb. So you end with all these shock faces. Of course, uh, we kind of glossed over the scene they had earlier because uh, on their way back, she dropped Dick <laughs> in the time stream because because there's a time storm, and anytime someone goes back and changes things, it creates. And you know, again, very silver agey. Yes. That, that, that Supergirl can just do this, um, but I also thought I'm like, oh, Booster's up to something, right? And oh, you Booster, Booster messed yeah. this up. You know what I mean? Uh, he's out there causing time storms. But yeah, I, I did like that wrinkle too because it it shows with Robin and, and uh, Supergirl, right? That they they talk to these heroes, but they're so solemn that it had to be like the bravest of them. And and I wasn't really wasn't picking up what they were saying because they're kind of talking around it. Yeah, um, they we're so, saving it for the ending. Yeah. Yeah, but I was like, so what? What had happened? Did he have to let himself get possessed? And then, you know, he was able to take control of Neza, but that was his ending. But I was like, oh no, they have to close the tomb from inside. Um, so so yeah, and you know, Superman and Batman are gonna fight over who's gonna be the one to do it. Oh yeah, of course. You know. Um, so. And obviously, there's something they're going to get Robin back somehow. It's just a question of which I, I remember reading that in the solicits too that that Robin's lost in time, so that this should add to a fun time travel yeah. mini story, you know? Yeah, because obviously they, they tease what the ending is going to be by them saying, "Oh, like, do you want to give them that the, you know that news kind of yep. thing?" Like they're sort of teasing, like, "Okay, this is bad, whatever it is." Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, obviously the art's phenomenal. Dan Mora, all this action, Ooh, yeah, the crazy you know hybrid character, um, all all the various other characters coming to fight them. Uh, you know, if anything, I was missing the Doom Patrol a little bit, but uh, yeah. c- because there's you know they didn't really pop up till right towards the end, but because uh, because that last page with all the reactions looks great, like so good. M- well, Mora, when, Mora when... draws a great set of Doom Patrol characters. Well, he draws everybody. That doesn't say the. I feel like the heroes that 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 Neza brings to to fight, I feel like these are characters that Mora selected, so he could draw mm-hmm. them. So you got Red Tornado, Martian Manhunter, Canary, uh, Wally, Firestorm, and uh, Donna. It's also you know indicative of a time period, like you said. But like I feel like they all look great. Like these are all, like spot on. Um, that yeah, like. I just feel like Moore is having the time of his life drawing this book. Yeah. Uh, obviously, when uh, Superman and Batman are, are joined up, like you mm-hmm. get that. like They're both like talking to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of like Firestorm, right? They're both in yeah. there. It's very Firestorm. Yeah. Um, also reminded me of, of when uh, Loeb wrote Batman Superman, or Superman Batman, whatever the title of that book was, um, that they're dueling narration. On the certain, on the same image, on the same panel. Very oh yeah, this, yeah, they did that a lot. But th- I think this is a yeah. little bit different in the sense that they're actually. Oh th- no, th- this is actually them talking to each other. <laughs> right, but you know, I can't help but think that it wasn't, you know, not re- you know, I feel like Wade was was also drawing to that too, you know, 
But now this was a he makes the batterings out of the 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 Green Lantern energy. Even the it seems like the heat vision is from the Green Lantern energy. You know? Um so yeah, it's just it's super wild. But uh but yeah, but it, it seems like a big deal that um Demon as uh was able to, you know, be despite being in this prison locked away in the tomb he still managed to master a certain kind of magic because he talks about he had to write a new spell and that's why it took him too long i mean it Um, it sounds like he yeah he he got to a point where he could possess people so presumably that's how he got out he possessed someone on the outside to right open the door and and that's you know big trouble so we'll we'll see where that goes but yeah no the stakes are there you know robin's lost in time and yeah but you said it kind of was missing the new patrol a little bit um, I really, that's my only knock. I mean, this, is... I think all I can say about this book is that it is super pulpy, but it, it, mm-hmm. it, it, I've had fun with every issue and just the crazy stuff that it's doing. It, just, it works even though it shouldn't. Like, I feel like in the hands of another creative team, we'd be making fun of this. Um, but I feel like they're both, you know, the art's so good, but Wade really knows that nuance of how to make something work. I think he knows the tone that he's going for. He knows these characters mm-hmm. inside and out. And then I think having excellent art obviously elevates everything as well. So it's just, yep. it's one of those things where they're just having fun and flexing with all this mm-hmm. crazy shit they're doing. And it's hard not to have fun with it as well. Um, right. So, yeah. Uh, and the ending really lands actually. I, even yeah. even though I mean I actually kind of predicted what it was going to be like not so much mm-hmm. that you had to close the, the the tomb from the inside, but just the idea right. that someone had to sacrifice themselves. Sacrifice. I got that's what I thought too. Yeah. Um. So like just that moment because you've got all the different expressions. I I love like the difference in expression on Supergirl who's delivering the news versus yeah. everyone who's hearing the news. Uh, and the moment really well, especially hits. So getting emotion out of Robot Man, right? Who's oh, just yeah. supposed to be a, a still face. Um. Yeah, it's just, it's great. Dan Mora, man. It feels like his showcase, and I feel like Wade's just going out of his way to help him out. Yeah. Uh, what are you giving World's Finest? I'm giving this an 8. Yeah, I'm going to 8.5. I'm having a blast with this book. Yeah. Uh, so, cool stuff. Batman the Night, issue 6. Chip Zarsky writing with Carmine DJ Domenico on the art. Uh, so this is the issue that kind of addresses the guns. Uh, oh. Obviously, Bruce has a very strong opinion on them. Um, him and Anton go to this guy, Luca, in Canada uh, to train. And this this guy is like hunting deer. He's got a bow and arrow. Um, and he doesn't want to train them. He's given up uh, using firearms. He he's kind of regrets his life as an assassin. And... But they, they convince them by saying, you know, we don't want to kill anyone. We we want to stop killers. We want to understand them and know how they do things and mm-hmm. be better than them so that we can stop them. And that's what convinces them. So we get a lot of training um, showing what Anton's good at, what Bruce is good at. You know, Bruce is good at hitting the moving target with the bird kind of thing. So really well. Yeah, so... So, he, so, well, he, so well sequenced, uh, sequ- you know, scene, basically. Yeah, it, it's very cinematic in that way where it feels like a storyboard. Um... But I do like that the Bruce talks about, uh, you know, when he shoots that duck down and the marksman's like, okay, no, you you guys are different. And uh, Bruce is like, yeah, well, I trained with the Mongolian horsemen, you know, like it's not my first time with a bow. And, uh, and I learned to read nature. Um, and that's what kind of wins them over to, to Luca is it was Bruce being like, we're, we're here to actually learn. 
Um, which which I do like because it does show the difference, especially by the end, between Anton, which we already kind of knew he had, you know, dark motives. Oh yeah, I, I mean, by the end of the issue, like they, they completely break down uh, mm -hmm. as far as the the, you know, the the charade of his intentions. Uh, you know, as it's going, he the, Luca tells a story of like the 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 mission that made him quit, uh, where he had to kill this guy. But his family weren't supposed to be there, but when they were there, because there was all these other targets and other hitmen get after them, he couldn't let the family live, so he had to kill the wife and son. And mm -hmm. this obviously, like, you know, Bruce reacts to this because it's you know, so so tied to, like, his past. Uh, but, you know, this is one of these things where, like, obviously, we often bring up that we, we hate them re regurgitating certain things in Batman when he brings up the alleyway, he brings up the, the night his parents died. Uh, obviously here it's completely justified because one we're doing an early story where he's training yep. uh but that's specifically where he's it's, training to use guns so he can understand them so he can you know disarm not, people so he can yep. understand how to manipulate them and deal with them him well, talk him talking about what he feels when he's using the gun makes sense it doesn't like it would be weird if they didn't talk about this it'd be weird if they didn't talk about how he feels firing a gun uh, even just at a target in the woods, you know, it, yeah. it, 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 it would feel disingenuous not to do it here. It makes me very excited to see what Darcy's going to do with a fully formed Bruce as mm. Batman. Uh, because if he's doing this and it's not like we're engaged in, in, you know, hearing the story and why Bruce, like Bruce doesn't want to use a gun. It makes him uncomfortable, even though he's good at it. He, it just, it, it hurts him in his soul. To even hold one. Oh yeah, and that, that's like, one of the moments I like. That is masterful. Well, when he's talking about, uh, or in his narration, when he's talking about doing this and reaffirming why he's doing it, like you know, I I, I can't ever be this because you know I'm too good at it. Like you know, he he talks about how, mm -hmm. like he he hates that he's good at firing the gun. Um, so mm -hmm. like it's really getting into some of the nitty gritty of like Bruce's rules and his psychology yeah. and and all that stuff. But of course, the the big thing that sets all this this you know tumbling down is that they go out and they kill a deer uh for for dinner and when they bring the deer back anton is the one who took the shot Luca notices oh you shot him in the the neck rather in the head it's not quick and painless this way and you didn't even hit the spine you know this was this is you know this is dangerous and he very quickly brings up his gun and points at anton and says you're a killer uh, you're a liar, you have a thirst for this, you're different to, you know, basically says you're Dexter, right? You, yeah. You, you, you're, a, you're a serial killer, or, and, you know, Anton later when he's talking to Bruce about this, he kind of reiterates this idea that he only wants to stop criminals because it's more challenging than just being a criminal. It's, you know, it's, right. it's, it's more challenging to kill the killers than it is to kill well, innocent it's, people. It's, it's very Dexter-esque, right? Yeah. Like, he's the serial killer of serial killers. Um, yeah, just the whole idea, too. Like, this guy, because he took lives, holds life sacred. So even though he hunts these deers, right? He, It's like he's, this is a sacrifice for nourishment, and he's going to try to treat the animal, even though he's taking its life, with respect. And the fact that Anton just shot it wherever, you know, just shows that he has zero respect for life. I mean, you say wherever. I would argue that he maybe intentionally did something made it that was worse. more painful. Yeah. Right, right. That did make it worse. He, again, that's a masterful storytelling piece. 
I think my favorite part about this, because obviously Bruce uh, eventually holds his gun up to to Luca because he doesn't mm-hmm. believe what he's saying. He's saying, no, yeah. Anton's good. He's a bit harsher than me, but he's good. Yeah. Um, I think what I liked about this is the idea that this ties into like the future and how Bruce like views a lot of his roles gallery and mm-hmm. that he's not necessarily the best at dealing with someone who is just completely like you know the fact that he couldn't recognize what anton was and when you think about in the future how he's going to react the first time he encounters the joker or the first time he encounters some of these like you know villains that he has uh to me to me this was like a harsh lesson of you have to look for the signs you have to see it in people uh and uh, you know and in some ways this is the best issue of this book because it really i really felt like all the things that this is like kind of like connecting to Mm -hmm. and like modern day fully formed batman and well and it makes sense in that too that it shows like he does hesitate a little too much and that's why we've had so many rogues galleries of of batman turn around and become good for a short time right Mm. because because batman does hesitate and isn't you know the punisher and doesn't just take them out so we get clayface being able to be rehabilitated two phase ivy harley it's really just joker that really hasn't and that's because he's you know the the primary antagonist for batman um but yeah no you it, it is i didn't even think of that when i was reading this about this plays off into the future of yeah. of, of him hesitating and why he, they be they're able to get him arkham so many times right and it's not it's not even necessarily the, the idea because I, I think hesitation is almost a bad word here because it mm-hmm. implies that it's a mistake um, and it is in this sense uh, to the to, uh, to to the extent that you know he shoots Luca in the, the arm and he's not happy about it, right? Yeah. He's he's not thrilled that he's had to do that. But then obviously it all goes bad because then uh, Anton kills Luca, and this is like a heartbreaking moment for Bruce mm-hmm. because this is like you no, know, like you just killed this man in cold blood. It's... This is awful. And Anton doesn't kill Bruce because it's too easy because he's he's already won the fight because uh, he's all about the challenge. But mm-hmm. like. You know, that this idea that in the future, like, there, there is good to come from Bruce trying to rehabilitate people. Because even Luca, uh, Luca here was going to kill Anton just to take him out of the world. And he, obviously, it's a fairly noble choice in the sense that he's doing this because he thinks, no, this is this man's a killer. We can't let him exist. He's going to, to, to do too many bad things, especially with the skills that I've taught him. So, I, you know, he, he can't be let out into the world. And this is kind of the, the, the again that debate that always comes up with Batman and how he deals with these villains. Like, should he not just kill the Joker? And the answer is no, because him having that moral lane is one of the things that makes Batman so interesting. So right. this idea right. here that Anton's not killed, but then is allowed to do something really nasty afterwards because yep. Bruce didn't like take it seriously, and and you know this is the consequence for him not recognizing what Anton was. This lesson is so important for what he's going to encounter. For the rest of his career, I, you know, like this was all really great stuff. Uh, yeah. So. Well, and, and as they're they're fighting afterwards, and he says, you know, we're learning art, Bruce, right? Um, and he says, and Luca was a master painter who threw the, his brushes away. And it's just like, oh my god, dude, his his view of the world is super dark, you know. Um, and it is a lesson for Bruce uh, here, but yeah, no, this. This was excellent, and again, I really look forward to see what Chip's gonna do on on the main Bat book with uh, a fully formed Bruce. 
Well, we um, don't have long because it's uh, no. it's July, so yeah. And if it's half as good as this origin story style, you know, of him learning these different skills and lessons, I think we're gonna be in for a good Batman run. Um, it shouldn't come as a surprise because we knew Chip was a decent writer, right, from Daredevil. Yeah, I. Uh, it's funny because, like, you know, the the book started off kind of weird, and there's definitely been some issues that have. That that first issue really, I didn't want to keep going, but each, I feel like, as it builds, it's gotten better with each one. Mm. So, um, so I feel like I say that this issue is, was my was the best or my favorite, um, but because yeah. I I wasn't necessarily in love with the idea of this Anton character like coming mm-hmm. with them because you could, you could almost say this is like Ghostmaker or someone. Yeah, uh, like you know, I don't I adjacent. don't think it. Is but yeah, it's definitely adjacent. It's definitely I mean, you, we know you could definitely see how it feels similar. But I I think this issue justified his existence because this entire yeah. standoff and this clash and Bruce not recognizing yeah. and everything you know how that links to the villains of the future, all yeah. all completely made it work for me. Like it all just kind of clicked together. I'm like, okay, there was a purpose to this. There was a point, and it all made sense. Yeah. Well, anything about the title of the night, right? As a knight is not just a like a warrior, right? It's a warrior that believes in something. And this is, we're discovering what Bruce believes in versus what Anton doesn't believe in. So they're almost on opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh, yet they're both knights. Yeah. So I guess the question at this point is, is Anton a character that's going to be gone by the end of the story? Or is it a character that Zarsky wants to have show up in the present day book? Could be. I definitely feel knowing that Roz is coming from the solicits, right? Like he's on the cover of one of the issues. I definitely feel like this dude ties to the league just, just from what we saw when they were training up in the mountains, you know, before they left on this, before they did the spy training. Um, I definitely feel like this guy has ties to the league at some point. I think uh, my preference would be that he's done by the end of this story, just because I don't necessarily need another character from Brissy's like training days to pop up, showing yeah. up, even though this one inherently is better seeded because we started with the past mm-hmm. and we're, we're sort of fleshed out into a big story but yeah. I, I i think i still think my preference would be that he somehow ends up dead by the end of this 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 series mm-hmm. but yeah yeah, well, we'll see. I, yeah and and he could reference him you know in in something where he doesn't show up but you know yeah i i don't know i don't really have a preference because i'd like to see how they handle it you know um but yeah, no, this is this is a whole lot of fun. I I really like this, and this story definitely hit, especially in today's society. You know, talking about you know having that power in your hand and choosing not to use it, or or you know using it correctly and valuing life, understanding your power, um, and how some people just wield it around without a care in the world. You know, um, so yeah, no, the Zadarsky and then Gia Domenico's art is just. Spot on. Like you said, the the scene where Bruce shoots the duck down, the the fight at the end is very kinetic, you know, following through the panels and whatnot. Like it's it's just an all around good book. Yeah. Uh the the final fight leaves Bruce alone. Anton just leaves him there. He doesn't want to kill him because it'd be too easy, and Bruce is just sitting feeling alone <laughs> and yeah, Batman. In the shadow of a bat. Yeah, so uh th- pretty straightforward uh are we giving batman the night i mean that's an 8.5 yeah i I can't disagree with that for this Mm -hmm. issue uh probably the best issue of the book Mm -hmm. i think so good stuff all right 
Black Adam, issue one, Christopher Priest writing, Rafa Sandoval on the art. Um, some surprising elements to this book, I have to say. Um, mm-hmm. I was not expecting so much of, like, uh, hip teenage Theo when he's not in Black Adam form. Yeah, that's, that, that's weird. That's kind of a new, you know, you're... Right, you're you're talking about his as Lord, right of Kondok. Yeah, like basically, yeah. like his human, like you know, the the belly bats into his Black yeah. Adam, if you will. Um, yeah. Or to his Shazam, if you know what I mean. Anyway, I know uh, what you mean. Uh, so yeah, I, I think. Um, by the way, do you know how like so Christopher Priest still doing that thing he did in Deathstroke, where he has the black panels that just have the titles and the, the yeah. captions. Yeah. So if I had forgot this was a Priest book, that would yeah. have instantly reminded me. I'm just, I just want to point out, so the first page, the one in the middle says busy, but when I glanced at it, when I first opened, I thought it said Busey, and I was like, oh, oh get in, oh, what are we doing here? Uh, <laughs> I wish I could do his Buseyisms and do a Black Adam one, <laughs> uh, but I can't, I'm, I'm not Gary Busey. Oh, naturally, so. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, um, he's at like a hearing, they're, they're talking to him about uh, uh, violations or something or other. Um, but and he's not really interested in hearing them, and he's he's busy, you know, he's, he's he's preoccupied because the night before he was fighting what seemed to be Darkseid. Uh, it turned out it wasn't mm-hmm. though. Uh, but he was fighting Darkseid. His suit was all ripped, and he gets blasted with the Omega Beam. So we get this action sequence. It's a great two-page mm-hmm. spread where he sort of he, he says Shazam into Darkseid's chest, and it, you know, big lightning and all the rest. Really, of it. really cool. Yeah, yeah. Crackacoom. Um. Yeah, I think, you know, I liked all this stuff because uh, after the sad, and he's like, that wasn't really dark side. I, w- I would never have taken him down so easily if it was, and all the rest of it. But I, th- I think what what got me uh, about this is that I'm not sure how I feel about, like, young human Theo. Like, he comes across as, like, too hip and cool or something. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like there was a few lines of dialogue that he had that it felt really, like, you feel like you're, um... Like the villain in like a, a Teen Titan story or something, as opposed to Black Adam. <laughs> so I I wrote it as a, he is like he has complete confidence because he's a world leader, right? That that knows like he can kind of do whatever he wants. No one's really held him accountable, th- and that's how that's how I was reading it. I think it's just because he feels a bit flashy with his cane, like he's a, he's a yeah. He feels a bit showy, and I feel like Black Adam. The last thing I think of with Black Adam is that he's showy. not showy. Yeah. 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 Uh, that said, though, I, I have to say that I dislike the the book because I actually kind of like a lot of what it's doing otherwise. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, there's a crime scene uh, where uh, you know an Egyptian man has been killed. Yeah. And this this you know character is investigating it, and he calls Black Adam and tells him about it. Um, and we're also introduced to the the what turns out to be the descendant of Black Adam that's going to have his power transferred to him, uh, who is a doctor. Um, well, 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 yeah, he, he claims to be a doctor that it turns out he's a mission, uh, who's basically just trying to rail up this, uh, white supremacist who's in with injuries, uh, I will say I love sake. the shit talk to the white supremacist. That was, I mean, it's hard so not fantastic. to, yeah, it's, it's yeah, hard not to enjoy that. He's like, I'm, I'm going to save you and I'm going to let you know it's someone that looks like me that did this. So just when, when you have your whole, you know, thing, just know. And the guy, and he's like in the hospital under arrest, so he's like handcuffed to the bed. You can see him like sort of like yelling and like trying to move his arms. He's like, "No, don't let the black man save my life!" Like he's, you can you yep. can definitely see him uh, like 
upset. Just upset, yeah, and, and he's like racist stupor about it. Um, mm-hmm. but you have a you know Theo shows up and starts talking, and I'm, I'm calling him Theo just because I feel like I should distinguish between you a know, Black Adam, yeah, and Theo, yeah, yeah regular yeah. human version it's and like, Black Adam, it's like Billy and Shazam, yeah. Right? Uh, so you know, and he compliments a uh, young man, Malik's the name for the record for the descendant. Uh, he, he, you know, he compliments him for like having the the strength to 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 save this guy, even though he's a piece of shit. Uh, but then the police show up and arrest Malik for, well, posing as a doctor, uh, I yeah. guess. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, gets him in trouble. But the big thing is that Black Adam. Uh, so so his friend here t- t- tells him that uh, what's wrong with your hand? There's something wrong with it. And Malik also yeah. commented that there's, there's something wrong. He could smell yeah. his arm. It smells burned. Yeah. He said. Uh, so Black Adam's like, okay, fine, I'll fix this. He says Shazam, turns into Black Adam, but it turns out his arm is still, like, burned. It still looks all cracked. As yeah, if... but it reminds me of Darkseid. Yeah. You know how Darkseid's skin looks? Yeah. With, well, you, you, yeah. Su- you suspect this Omega Beam is what, what's doing it, but... Did something. Yeah. yeah. So so Black Adam says he's dying. He thinks he's dying, and he comes and gets Malik out of, uh, you know, after Malik's been let out of the of the jail cell because he's held for questioning. But you know, he gets out, and he's he's got this uh, best friend who he wants to be his girlfriend, but uh, mm-hmm. she's like, no, no, we're not ruining that. But she's pissed at him for like you know doing what he did. Well, he 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 did impersonate a doctor, and even though you're a med student, you're not a doctor. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. So you know, like, so we get a little bit of of like his. Uh, his life, we get a lot. You know, this is his best friend uh, that he's, he's he's maybe in love with. Uh, we get a bit of his character, and this is the thing. Even though technically he does something illegal, like what he does is actually really funny, and like you kind of, yeah. it's hard not to root for him when he's like, okay, I'm going to impersonate a doctor to f with the white supremacist. That's actually kind of like, okay, I kind of want to root for this character. I like him already. Well, um, and I like that when when they have him in custody, and he's <laughs> he's like, I want a lawyer. And he just says lawyer. And then it took me a second that for the last one where he says lawyer. And I was like, what? Is he speaking? Oh, no, he just said lawyer, but he's slowing it down. Yeah, he's, 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 I, he's getting cocky, basically. Yeah, I love how irreverent he is. Um, and it really does fit in with the Black Adam that we all know and love. That's kind of a cocky a-hole, you know, that kind of does what he wants. Uh, and even though you could say that he does bad things for good reasons right um but but yeah yeah uh so he wants to go to the kandak uh consulate uh to mm-hmm. to check up on what happened and he actually gets kidnapped uh but turns out it's by black adam's people mm-hmm. and black adam shows up at the end and the big reveal at the end is like i'm dying and you malik adam are my descendant uh, and you're going to get the power of Black Adam. So, so this this mini series, this, this I guess it's a ten issue book. Yeah. Um, this is about Black Adam, presu- seemingly transferring his power to a younger, new Black Adam. It's yeah, like Black Adam Junior. Maybe like uh, Billy yeah. has Freddie, and you know we we've, well, we've well, seen no, Black. This is more of a replacement, though. I mean, if it goes through with it, I know. I was going to finish my thought. Whereas we've seen Billy share power. Black mm. Adam's really only done like the whole share power thing with Osiris, right? And Isis during um, 52. 
and that didn't end up well. So it feels like instead of splitting stuff, he's going to use this as his replacement because this is his genealogically his, yeah. his heir. Um, also, the I looked up what the title means, theogeny, and it's basically, you know, the history of a religion. Right. So had I known that, I would have known where this is going. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Um uh, but yeah, no, Christopher Priest really seems to know a thing or two about writing anti-heroes. Yeah, um, I think what's interesting though is that this new character Malik might not actually be that much of an anti-hero. Like he, right? He could be more of a straight-up hero. We we don't really know, mm-hmm. but I do think it's interesting that this because I mean we saw him in the cover for like you know whatever was solicited last. And it was yeah. like, okay, so we're getting this younger character, and we saw. I mean, I think we said, oh, maybe it's going to be like his sidekick or his new protege or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I guess that's kind of true, but this book is effectively this character's origin story mm-hmm. and that's kind of neat i mean when, when i thought protege i didn't think replacement yeah right i so, didn't feel like he was setting him up to take the power of black adam so we'll i mean we'll see if they go through with it and if he doesn't does he still share his power so we still have this new character or are they doing something else but um i, I was actually kind of like pleasantly surprised that this turned into be like oh this is uh the origin of a new character who's going to get this power um it, it it's, a, it's a fine concept and like i like the mm-hmm. character already yeah the, the only yeah. real complaint i have is that uh theo's voice when he's being human and right. like his attitude's a little bit too stylish for what i think of as black adam but that's basically my only i did like that malik theme. called him dracula at one point he's like oh you mean the guy with the cape and the cane uh i thought that was pretty funny yeah that was good that was good um and you know Sandoval's art is solid. Uh, mm-hmm. His Black Adam looks great in the outfit. Uh, yep. I think Malik's very expressive, and all that helps to like build the story. Um, yeah, it was it's sort of. If anything, I, I, I was a little bit worried at the start when it starts off on like a Senate hearing or whatever it is, and mm-hmm. I was just kind of like, oh god, like I, I can just imagine Christopher Priest Wardenis like and scenes yep. like this. But it's like it's very quick and it moves on and it you know it gets. You know, this definitely feel like it had more action and superhero stuff and feels like more of a traditional superhero kind of like origin story uh, based on this first issue. And that's not to say that I don't want some of Christopher Priest's, uh, like, you know, his craft to come in because there's a reason why it should. But mm-hmm. uh, I kind of like that this, this had a more of a solid foundation and, like, just, like, letting me get to know this character and, you know, kind of actually wanting to see the like the origin of him becoming the new black adam or mm-hmm. or whatever they, they go with uh but it does i mean it makes me think he will just be called black adam because that's what they've called the book and because you realize when you read this that this is maybe more his story than it is actually you know black Adam's, Adam's story so i think the point is is that he will be black adam once this is all yeah. said and done yeah and they, they make sure that you have the editor's note right that this takes place before um dark crisis one yes at least Yes. So, so we'll see where it goes. But yeah, no. Again, Christopher Priest, you know. But given given that he's hunting Dark Side, I assume it's after the death of the Justice League, though. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's my presumption. Anyway. Yep. Putting that. That's how I took it, anyways. Because when he yeah. was fighting Dark Side, I was like, "Wait, we already saw this. He got his ass whipped, and he was the only one that came back." So maybe he was going back and, for more, and, it and makes, this was whatever. And it makes sense that the Sad's got some sort of fake dark side, trying to make yep. it look like because it makes dark sense. Dark side's fine. Dark, yeah, he's he's basically trying yeah. to convince everyone dark side's still an apocalypse, everything's fine. Yep. But it makes sense that dark side is actually missing right now because he's with the mm-hmm. you know 
the rest of the the, the hand of doom or whatever yeah. called the hand of darkness what is there it? you go hand of darkness yeah. uh so 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 the is just trying to keep up appearances and failing yep. miserably because black adam can see right through it yep so uh so yeah i didn't expect it to be so neatly tied into continuity but uh that's okay here, here uh, we are yeah yeah that was pretty good i want to read that shit mm-hmm. too yeah so sure. yeah uh good stuff well, what were you giving black adam uh i'm giving this one an eight yeah i'm giving it a straight eight as well i think it's really good so uh there you go all right uh superman's pal jimmy olsen's boss perry white <laughs> issue one uh mostly reprints uh but you did read the new story by yes. uh uh, Fraction and Lieber. There you go. <laughs> so they, they just listed it as Fraction, Steve Lieber, Nathan Fairbairn, and uh, Clayton Cowles. Yeah, there's a Bender um, story in there, though, because I saw his name in there. Yeah, but it's from um, an excerpt from Truth from Superman 18, from uh, 2019. Well, you've read that um, already. Yeah, that's why. Um, also, Old Men Talking in Bars from the Superman 80 Page Giant from 2011. Um, but yeah, um, I'll, I'll get through this, but... Um, Basically, this story is is Perry looking at the history of the Daily Planet since he took over, and it starts with him talking about his first headline, or not first headline, his first story, which was about a uh, dog race that was canceled, and how he's been a part of the Daily Planet as much as the Daily Planet's been a part of him. Uh, Pete, do you happen to know what Perry is short for? I don't, but let me have a guess, just based okay. on the name Perry. I mean, I, I I didn't realize Perry was short for anything, but... I didn't either, but then you see his very first byline, and, and they put it in here. Well, Perry. Uh, no, it's Pericles. Pericles. So his name right. is Pericles White. Um, and so, talks about how, you know, how, you know, how could working for a newspaper ever get old? And then he talks about how when Superman appears... Every headline's about Superman, you know, and they have all these different from all these different moments of Superman's history. You know, Superman saves Metropolis. Superman protects Metropolis. City again saved by Metropolis. Um, they they have it looks like dinosaurs attacking, and one of them's wearing a, a top hat. Crypto has Mixipidolic, Um and then that one says, you know, Daily Planet uh, area dog, good boy. Uh, about Bizarro, it says Bizarro wins, but in parentheses loses. Um, and they're just like these little snapshots of stuff that's happened um, while Perry's been there. And then he talks about that, you know, when Superman protects your city, there's usually not a lot of news that you get to write because Superman tends to save the day. Um, but there was this one time where, where Lex had developed these robots that would protect the, the Earth from invasion of uh, aliens. And we see Lex standing over, you know, this is in the, the story, the continuity of the Jimmy Olsen book, because he's standing over that giant lion statue that Jimmy destroyed. Um, but these these drones were were harmless to humans, but not to aliens. And what does Superman happen to be as an alien? So they, you know, these robots turn on him. It looks like they're hitting him with kryptonite. Um Lex is looking so pleased of himself from watching from his window. Um, and that the, the kryptonite were were uh, were put into the new batteries. So it just happened to be a coincidence that 
they're kryptonite powered robots. But basically, the city rallies around uh, Superman, and then so uh, Perry goes on and says, "You know, the old adage is when a dog bites man, that's not news, because if it happens so often, uh, because it happens so often. But if a man bites the dog, that's news." So the final headline uh, of this story is that instead of Superman saving Metropolis, Metropolis saves uh, Superman um, by Lois Lane uh, with the quote, damn it, Luther, pout, stupid, boondoggled mayor. Um, and he says in that, that's the headline of a lifetime. Um, and, you know, he says his name's Barry White. He's the editor-in-chief of the Daily Planet, and he'll be a newspaper man till he dies. Um, and it's just a very nice story about, you know, Superman and Metropolis and what, you know, Superman means to the Daily Planet. Um, and I was hoping that this was just going to be a longer, you know, not an, an anthology book, but just stories by Lieber, you know, from the perspective of the newspaper, not Lieber, but Fraction and Lieber. But we just got this fun little 10 pager um, and it was really worth the read. And now I want to go and read the other Perry White stories because the the next one that's by Fraction and Lieber is from the Jimmy Olsen book. It's a little section that was in. Uh, one of the issues uh, that's that's Perry and, and Jimmy. So, but yeah, no, it was a, it was a really fun read. Um, the art's still just spot on. It's, it's what Lieber did best. Um, very classic looking designs again. So uh, I'm going to give give that a 7.5. Okay, cool. But worth buying a whole issue of reprints just to get that 10 page story? I, I think because it was only how much. I didn't spend that much on it. Let me see. Let's just say when I picked up my books this week, my wife didn't yell at me for spending too much. Like she normally does. It was five bucks. So, and you get about just five or six stories. So okay. you can do a whole lot worse. You know, if you have the extra spot, five bucks. And and you are a fan of, of that Jimmy Olsen book. You would have bought it already. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that takes out the part of the show where we pick our favorite stuff of the week, favorite panel slash moment, favorite cover, favorite art, and top five books. So uh, we'll start off with panel slash moment, Matt. What have you got? There's a lot to pull from this week. Mm -hmm. I really want to make it from World's Finest, and you could pull from that final page, or you could have the composite, you know, super bats. Um, the knight had some good ones uh, with some whole sequences, but I'm going to pull from Nightwing. And... Um, it's going to be that when he he jumps into the, the tree in the bush and comes out on the motorcycle. Because that, that cracked me up. Just because, uh, just the way that it went. It was very, very comic booky, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm also going to go with Nightwing. I'm kind of spoiled for choice as to what to go. I, a part of me wants to do the, the desk, <laughs> but... Mm -hmm. that Yeah, that was another option. But I think I'm going to go with the I love you moment, because it just... It was such a sweet moment, and uh, like I'm so invested in these two crazy kids that, uh, like every time he pulls on that that string, much like with the Alfred string, uh, Taylor just knows what he's doing. So I'll take that moment, and the expressive art uh, helps a lot. Uh, cover of the week. Uh, there's a few things to to choose from. Uh, Nightwing's regular cover is fantastic. You know, I I noticed that uh, last week mm -hmm. we were looking. Uh, the the Pride Month. Uh, variant for it as well, which is is Dick it, uh, just lying on the roof, and he's got like a like a, a slushy or something behind him. Mm -hmm. uh, also pretty good. Uh, there's a Flash variant. 
where it's like a racetrack thing. It's a really simple artistic style, but it's kind of neat. Uh, it's a Bengal uh, variant. Oh, okay. Uh, obviously, Dan Moore's cover for World's Finest is good. Uh, I have to pick, though, and I've, I've mentioned a lot because there's a lot of good covers this week, but I have to pick the main cover for Black Adam. Uh, I think that looks really good. It's uh, And Night, Nightwing's main cover like, would have probably won in most weeks. But that Black Adam cover, I love the... Uh, very kind of moody. The, yeah, it's very moody. It's got that sort of... The, the very inky blacks, the sort of painted blacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, this like oil painting kind of thing. Um, just really simple, but really effective and stark. And I like it. So, uh, what's, your, what's your cover? Uh, mine's a Nightwing cover. Um, it's just fantastic. Yeah, with Nightwing and uh, Batgirl just standing mm-hmm. up in the, the radio it, tower, it, whatever it is. It's the way that all the colors pop because it looks like they're there for the sunrise. So you have the blues transitioning, it, but then, you know, you have Batgirl over, you know, above Nightwing on the antenna and her cape's flowing. So you get that balance of the yellow at the top. Uh, and then the way that the sun's hitting his, his logo on his chest is it's just great stuff. Yeah, it's very good. All right, best art of the week, go. So I, I gave Redondo the cover because I couldn't justify anybody else but Mora for, for World's Finest. Um, yeah, I mean, you can make an argument for Gia Domenico for the night. or I mean, I already said Redondo, but yeah, no. Um, Mora for World's Finest. Yeah, uh, I think I'm going Redondo for art. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I will I will edge out Mora just a little bit, but I mean, it was definitely between those two for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to discredit the rest of the art because there was a, a lot of decent art this week, but uh, those were the two standouts, I think. So, there you go. Alright, mm-hmm. top five books, Matt. Alright, number one, Nightwing. Number two, Batman the Night. Number three, World's Finest. Number four, Black Adam. And number five, The Flash. Yeah, uh, number one is Nightwing for me. Uh, number two is World's Finest. Number three is Batman the Night. Number four, Black Adam. And number five, The Flash. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. Uh, pretty solid week, honestly. Yeah, not, not like a huge list, but like, like, uh, mm-hmm. I really, I, you know, I was, I was very happy that I ended up liking Black Adam as much as I did, just because it, it really, rounded off a really nice week yep. so there you go that is uh that's the picks i will tell you what is coming next te- text the next week from dc mm-hmm. comics so coming up next week we got detective comics 1061 uh which is n- not the start of the new run that's the last issue no. of yes yeah, the last uh, this is tamaki yeah this is sign of grace and uh mariko tamaki yeah and nadia shamas so Oh yeah, so this is gonna be um, the end of that that backup too, I think. With what's her name, Gotham Girl. Yeah. Uh, so Detective Comics one thousand sixty one, Action Comics one thousand forty four, Robin fifteen, Batman Catwoman issue twelve. So that comes to an end. Finally. I know it's uh, been a long time coming. Uh, we got Batman Beyond the White Knight issue four, The Swamp Thing issue fourteen. Uh, Harley Quinn 16, Task Force Z issue 9, Deathstroke Inc. issue 10 uh, and it's not the crossover anymore so I don't have to read that yeah I, I think while I might still get I don't know if I'm going to read it in time for the show because um, this is the Deathstroke year 1 stuff uh, yeah so uh, it's not a priority 
So also coming DC versus Vampire Killers issue one. Mm-hmm. So that's the start of the miniseries. Uh, Batman Fortress issue two and Aquaman issue five. Uh, you'll be delighted to know. Um, uh, obviously, I don't know if it'll actually be on the show next week. It depends if Connor's here or not. But yeah. uh, Connor's been made to read Batman Fortress issue two. Did he win? Did he read Fortress one? No. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all are evil because you know that he has to read the first issue. Uh, maybe he won't. I don't know. But do you, uh, do you think? I don't know. I feel like he sometimes he doesn't read books that he likes because he didn't have time to read the one that he missed. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's me. You guys are mean. So, I mean, yeah. keep it up, but you guys are mean. Yeah, David's making him do that instead of Harley this month because. There's only two Riley Rosmo issues of Harley left, so he's out, he's going to delay that by a month, so that when the new when so basically when the Tim Drake book starts with Riley Rosmo art, he's going to be moving Connor onto that. This is why I don't do this. I don't trust you guys. <laughs> hey, I'm reading American Vampire and uh, I don't man. I'm having a great time with my yeah, Patreon books. Yeah, I know. <laughs> But yes, yeah, so that's what's coming next week from uh, DC Comics, so uh, look forward to that list. Uh, of course, I will take this time to thank our Patreon producers. Uh, thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Sharp, Bordenow, Christopher Moy, David Brown, Al Treisman, and Alison M. Fordyce. Uh, they are all at the higher Patreon producer tier over at patreon.com slash TV, where you can support all the content in the podcast and keep everything coming for as little as a dollar per month. At the $5 tier, you get early access to the show whenever it's ready, late in the Saturday, uh, if that's of interest to you. Uh, otherwise, of course, like, subscribe, ding the bell for notifications, and of course, rate the podcast five stars uh, on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts from. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, get us on Twitter, at DC Comics Podcast. Is that everyone? Did I say everyone? I think that's all the... Sounds, sounds about right. All the spiel. I don't know, the hunger's starting to get to me, so I'm, I'm starting to... Uh, look, look ahead at all things uh, but yes thank you very much this has been episode 311 of Comics from the Multiverse we'll be back next week with 312 because that's how numbers work so thank you very much for joining we'll see you next time keep reading DC Comics and remember to never get lost at the Speed Force and, and come original that, that's a 311 song